Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. We hear from the latest addition to the Denver Broncos and interior defensive lineman Shamar Stephen who met with the media a couple days ago to be introduced to Broncos country. Plus, we analyze the Broncos making a roster move on Thursday and discuss some of the NFL's proposed rule changes or whether or not one of the Broncos' proposals gets passed through. Welcome back here to a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the End Zone. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Senior NFL Analyst at Pro Football Network and Broncos Insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can catch me here five days a week on Twitter at Lockdown Broncos and make sure you guys hit that follow button for five brand new episodes every single week, every single weekday. We have you covered with a brand new episode of the show. Uh, If you hear me kind of laughing a little bit or if you hear any kind of whining in the background, I do apologize beforehand. My dog, he, you know, he had a trip to the vet. He had to undergo anesthesia and (laughs) he's a a little whiny coming off of anesthesia. So if you hear any dogs whining or whimpering, that is my dog uh, coming out of that. So with that said, we still have a lot to talk about on today's episode of the show. Hope you guys have had a great week. It is Friday. We have a fun weekend ahead of us. Stay safe. Just a few more weeks left till the NFL draft. We'll have you covered here, Lockdown Broncos, for all that. But we're going to get into our Broncos news and notes, a little bit of an introduction to the new Broncos defensive lineman, Shamar Steven. But before we get into that, we got to tell you guys about some Broncos news and notes. Yesterday, the Broncos released defensive back Nate Hairston, but they do plan on re-signing him today, as our good friend Benjamin Albright first reported yesterday. The Broncos' move of releasing Hairston is a procedural move. He will be back onto the roster as of today. And so part of me is wondering why it was a procedural move. Was it to clear up a little bit of cap space and maybe re-sign him at a better deal? I'm not quite sure. I'll have to take a look at what his contract value was, but it's one of the league minimums, so I'm not quite sure what the procedure was there. We'll obviously figure that out, but Hairston, obviously the Broncos picked him up off of the practice squad of the Baltimore Ravens last season when their defensive back depth was tested and depleted. On the other side, a former Denver Bronco may be on the move. He hasn't come back to Denver just yet, but former Broncos defensive end Demarcus Walker had a visit with the Houston Texans yesterday. There is a chance that he could sign with them and would be the second Bronco to end up in Houston, obviously alongside Phillip Lindsay, but Walker deserving of a chance to maybe go and be a starter somewhere in the National Football League or even in a rotational role. He's really proved to feel that need, I think, that any team may have at defensive end, whether you play in a 4-3 style scheme, whether you play in a 3-4 style. Walker is one of those guys that started to find his footing underneath him, playing on the defensive line in the rightful position where he should have been playing in the first place. But luckily, Vic Fangio and the Broncos coaching staff, they were able to rectify what Vance Joseph messed up on. And so now he's got an opportunity to really make a name for himself. And, you know, I, I don't think that there's a chance he's back in Denver. But I tell you what, wish to Marcus Walker the best in his future, in his career. He's a fun player to cover. He's one of those guys that I felt like was so underappreciated. And so just everyone was negative about talking about him because of the fact that they moved him to outside backer and he wasn't producing there. It was a big mistake by Vance Joseph to do that. But, you know, like I said, he was able to step up in a big way for Denver last year in rotational role. 
and he'll be missed in Denver going forward. But let's get to the newest Broncos defensive lineman. This is Shamar Steven. Now, a couple days ago, he was introduced to the Denver media to talk about why the Broncos? What was appealing about the organization to where you wanted to come play in Denver? We'll take it away to Shamar Steven. Um, just with the, it was the comfortable, being comfortable with the coaches and the staff and the scheme and um, understanding uh, what the coach wanted us to do in the scheme. And I just felt comfortable with her. And as we talked about a couple days ago on the show when he was first announced as a signing, I got insight from Luke Braun of Lock on Vikings that he, you know, he's one of those guys, he's a plug, he's a nose tackle, 310 pounds, he's one of those guys you want to place in the interior, head up on the center, or even inside the shade of the center. That way you're going to focus that attention with a double team, right? An offensive line saying, hey, he's a big plug guy. We've got to focus on doubling him, working our way up to the play side backer or to the near side linebacker, depending on what side of the, you know, the field, you know, the team's going to run the football and in terms of pass protection they have to account inside out for him so he's a big guy he'll command that attention it'll free up other guys but you know he's previously played in a 4-3 scheme he was asked about is there any type of transition he may go through when going into from a 4-3 scheme to a 3-4 defensive scheme that the Broncos like to run with Vic Fangio I'll be big adjustment I played in college I played a little bit in Minnesota so uh, I'm comfortable with the 3-4 but they have various different uh, fronts here so um, you know, for him, not much would change. Like I mentioned, he's probably going to play primarily zero tech, a one tech, and potentially at times a two eye, which is the inside shoulder of the guard, if you guys want to know what that alignment is there. So he's really going to play where the A gap is. I don't think that there's going to be many times, unless there's a stunt, where he's going to attack the B gap. He's primarily going to be an A gap player for the organization. But coming in from the Minnesota Vikings defense that was run by Zimmer, very aggressive now to a Fangio defense that is still very aggressive aggressive in nature what is it that stands out about Vic Fangio's defense to Steven that he is very excited about being a part of in 2021 um first thing about his defense um multifaceted so he's able to do a lot of things out of that defense um they would bring a lot of pressure uh kind of determine where they run and where you want to get the ball on a uh, second along third along things like that so he does a lot of good things uh, with the pressure and able to uh, force people to do what he wants to do um, really, it's just for me, just being able to have this role because I played a lot last year. I played a lot throughout my career. Um, just be able to rotate because they love to rotate their guys, be able to be fresh and be able to have consistent downs every down. And that's what the Broncos are hoping to get out of Steven. He's not going to be in contention to start for the Broncos, but he will play a role in a rotational series for them in various packages. I imagine specifically once we see the Broncos get into a red zone or a goal line situation, they're going to want to have size there to command the attention. That way they can stunt and have every gap accounted for in run fit. So we'll see a little bit more in 2021 from Shamar Steven, the newest addition to the Denver Broncos. But Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, Patrick Keody and myself, we're going to talk about a couple of the upcoming proposals and rule changes that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos have suggested. Could we see them pass? We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys to check out the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our good friends over there, betonline.ag. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NFL season may be over, but the NBA, MLB, and the NHL are in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. And it's the best way to place your bets, plus 
It's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, now we're going to get into a very interesting conversation on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. As you all have been following, there are some proposed rule changes taking place that the NFL, the competition committee, they're talking about. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, as much as Broncos fans hate them, they actually came up with an interesting proposal, and that is to change the rules that are currently set on the numbers, like jersey numbers and what players can wear, increasing the number range that specific players, specific positions can wear, rather than them being limited. And a big reason Kansas City decided to do that is because they were running out of jersey numbers for key players that they were signing. So, Patrick, this is interesting because the college game right now, if you look at the NCAA you see a little bit of a different side, right? You see skilled players, defensive backs, you see linebackers wearing like single-digit numbers. There's going to be an opportunity to do that. And the one thing I think that I wish the NFL would have maybe looked at, but then again, I can see how in the NFL game it could be confusing. It would be interesting if defensive players could wear the same number as somebody on the offensive side, right? Just as that designation that we see in the NCAA level. That's obviously not in this proposal here, but let's talk about this. And here's the deal. A lot of people will say... Why do people care about jersey numbers? Patrick, from you and I played this game and anybody listening has played the game, the first jersey number that you ever get, it, it becomes special to you, right? Uh, what is the psychology of an athlete when it comes to jersey numbers? Because we have played this game for a long, 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 long time. We've got a lot of experience there. I had two jersey numbers in my playing career. To me, I, I, I find value in the numbers that I wore. What about you? No, I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it There's some weird psychology behind it. You know, for me personally, back in high school, I uh, unfortunately didn't get the jersey number that I wanted. <laughs> what so, was it? Uh, I wanted 86 originally, you know, that Byron that Chamberlain. <laughs> that was just kind of the, you know, that was just kind of the vibe. All right. No, it wasn't 86. It was 87. Sorry. Uh, okay. I wanted that Eddie McCaffrey. I, I, I didn't get that number. So I got stuck with 47 with John Lynch. So I was, I was happy with that. You know, I played safety and, and it was weird being a wide receiver wearing 47, but uh, playing safety, it was fine. But, you know, when I got into semi-pro and stuff, 87 was the first number that I, that I chose, you know, that, cause that was, that was like the number, that's the guy that I idolized, you know, and a lot of these guys, they, they, they get jerseys at a very young age that, you know, they played through peewee and, and middle school and then up to high school. And, and they, they play so well in these jerseys that when they get to the next level, that number means something to them. It's, it's part of who they are. It's part of their identity. Um, and then when they eventually get to the NFL, you know, you, you have these restrictions where if you play a certain position, you can only wear X, you know, these certain numbers. The other thing too, is like, it's kind of like a superstition thing. Um, yes. I'll always remember, you know, it, it, I think it was like my third or fourth season in semi-pro. Our team was getting new jerseys. Well, they messed up our jersey order and and they didn't get the size on my jersey right. So I had to pick the next best available jersey in my size. And it just so happened to be 15. Please that, tell me it has nothing to do with Tim Tebow. No, 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 no. Okay. It, it was just, it was the jersey that fit me. And I was like, you know what? I, I got to wear it. 
it is what it is. Went out three catches, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. So from that point on... It and the was guy like, was no. dragging your jersey too. You got a picture of it too. You <laughs> yeah. need to post it on Twitter so people can know what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely will. But from that point on, it was, you know what? I played so well in this 15. I feel like a different person. I feel, you know, I feel like a completely different player. I'm just going to stick with this the rest of my career. Um, so for a lot of these guys playing in the NFL... You know, maybe those numbers that they wore back in college, you know, some guys like Bradley Chubb, who just played phenomenally in college, wearing wearing a, a abnormal number for a, a outside linebacker defensive end. It means something to them. It's it's very special. It's it's that uh, that superstition that they have. You know, everybody wants to keep their number going throughout their playing career uh, because it's when they feel they play their best. Well, and I can tell you this, you know, high school 39 was the first number ever assigned to me. I made it my own, loved it. And Kenzo's Customs, you know, my man Kenny Lanzati, he, he made me a great kind of reflection, my own custom piece project. He's going to work on the other one. And then when I moved in and signed a contract with the Gladiators, they uh, they gave me the number 18, right? No, nothing with Peyton Manning, but they just gave me the number 18. That became something that I really, I, I took in stride here. But let's take a look at some of these rule changes here, the proposals, quarterbacks, punters, and kickers, they are now in the the number ranges between 1 and 19. It would just be so weird seeing a kicker wearing number 19. I just don't know why. Or even a punter. I always imagine it being the single digit guys. But I think a lot of that's going to change now. You're going to see a lot of uh, punters and kickers. They're going to get paid big time money now by the wide receivers and skill guys that want these jerseys. Running back is 1 through 49. 80 through 89. Defensive backs, 1 through 49 as well. Linebacker, 1 through 59. And 9... Uh, 90 through 99, and, and as you mentioned too, Bradley Chubb being number 9 back when he was playing in college, maybe he goes from 55 to number 9. Offensive line, you're going to see it kind of similar. I mean, I don't think really O-line has changed too much between 50 to 79 and then D-line 50 to 79 and 90 through 99. Uh, but here's the deal. We talked about the representation from the college game. There's a lot of talk right now. Jerry Judy even put out a tweet yesterday saying number 4 and the emoji putting the hand on the chin like he's thinking about it. How much money do you think that Jerry Judy would have to pay Brett Rippon in order to get that number four? Oh, man. I, <laughs> this I happens the, all the time, by the way. I mean, I, oh, yeah, it does. It, it's it happens pricey. a lot. Yeah. It, I mean, we, we see it happen all the time, right? Man, that, I hate to put a number on it, but it would probably have to be a cool mill. I mean, Judy is a first round <laughs> pick. He's, you know, he, he's got that, he got that big paycheck for being a, a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. Uh, I think Brett Rippon as a, uh, as Brett Rippon also threw him his first NFL touchdown. It, ex- exactly. So Rippon as an undrafted guy you know he uh he's the backup quarterback he he's got to be asking for at least a milli at least a milli <laughs> I, I think that would be you know brandon Kristall told me he says that's excessive so i i would say look a million considering the circumstances i i wouldn't be opposed to that if i'm brett rip and say hey man look you know i threw you your first touchdown you know give me a little bit of a reward there uh, outside of that if i had to put another number on it Probably five hundred thousand, right? I'd say that's probably a good range. That's a you know a good payday there for Brett Rippon. Uh, but also, I think Patrick it opens up the opportunity for the Broncos. They can finally retire number twenty four, number twenty seven, and number thirty. It gives these defensive backs, these other guys, and even running backs, the opportunity to have a different jersey number without compromising. I think that. And I was very upset when the Broncos let Pac Man Jones 
wear number 24. I'll never, I'll never get over that for some reason. Just the, the inner champ Bailey fan in me. But uh, obviously the jersey change is something that's likely to pass in Broncos country. We'd like to know your thoughts. Send us a tweet on Twitter at Cody. We're going to fail at Lockdown Broncos at Patrick Coyote. But coming up here in just a moment, we're going to talk about another rule proposal that the Broncos actually threw out there as it pertains to onside kicks. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. It's our good friends over there at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Bilt Bar is even more delicious than ever before, featuring 18 amazing flavors. The bars, they are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for those who are health conscious like myself and Patrick. They help you lose or maintain weight while also allowing yourself to indulge in a delicious treat. The bars, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And I want you to get your hands on a box of Bilt Bar today, but go into BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. That's one word, LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order by using promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Getting into the fourth quarter of today's episode, Locked on Broncos, folks. Just a, a reminder, I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. If you're listening to the show right now, you're not yet a follower of the show, make sure you follow this on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and our good friends over there at the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, for daily exclusive Devil Broncos news, content, and coverage. But, Patrick, we were just talking about the jersey proposal change that the Chiefs have put forth for a couple years now. The Broncos, and this was proposed by John Elway, he was working on a, a rule proposal because we've seen the NFL really change a lot of the rules as it pertains to special teams and kicking. But this is a proposal that would eliminate onside kicks, it, given the fact if a team chooses to, right, it's an opt-in, and it puts them in a situation where the, the ball is placed on their own 25-yard line. It is a 4th and 15. You pick up the 15 yards, you get to keep possession, and you get a drive to potentially maybe set up a game-tying field goal or maybe even a game-winning possession. However... Uh, when we look at the success rate of onside kicks in the last few years, you know, Pat, as players, what what were some of the things that we were coached on? Because we didn't play under NFL rules. We played under college-style rules. What was it about onside kicks? What were the rules of some of the players there? Because the NFL, they, they've tried to make it a lot safer, right? So that's why we saw the success rate. Eight out of 63 attempts in 2020 were successful. That's 12.7%. Not very successful. The likelihood of you getting an onside kick was very limited. This kind of flips the, the script a little bit and gives you an advantage maybe to make things interesting in a game. But what is the rule that we were all taught in terms of if we were on the onside kick team? If I'm a guy that's going to, if I got hands, which I got hands for days, folks. Don't, you know, you want to catch me in the streets. I got these hands. But as a, as a player, as a receiver, as a corner, I had good hands. So they'd put me as the guy that'd probably go get in the ball. What is the rule of the guy right next to you? Because he doesn't have the same rule as you to go get the ball. What is his job? Oh, you, you hit the first person that you see. So, you know, on, on being on hands and same, I was on hands, same. <laughs> I was, I was in the front line, you know, That's first brutal. of all, it, I feel for it you. is, it is. And, you know, honestly, like it's very, it's very scrummy, right? You know, you think of like rugby and, and how they, how they have scrums. It, it's essentially just a rugby scrum, but with, with helmets and, and pads and people running at you 10 with a 10 yard head start. you know, if you're really not the guy, it, if you're not on the front line and you're not getting that ball, you know, you're going straight at someone else. Yep, you're blowing um, and, up the and, first guy that you see. Yeah. So, and that's why you, you always see, you know, like you got eight guys all in one spot. You got two guys on the opposite side of the field and you keep one guy deep just in case, but it's, it's, it is really dangerous. And especially in the NFL and in college as well, where you have higher level athletes, you have, you know, bigger guys running at, 
bigger guys. It's going to cause guys too. Yeah, right? faster guys, stronger guys running at stronger guys. Like it, it, it's not a good recipe for uh, safety for all these other things that the NFL is really trying to push for. And you know, you're absolutely right. The success rate isn't high enough to keep this as a a legitimate thing. Um, we do see kickers trying to come up with different ways to make it more successful. We saw it in Dallas last year in the in the Atlanta Dallas game um, with the you know the Yagway little side kick. Is legit at it too. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I mean. Kudos to the kickers for trying to, and I I do remember specifically Pat McAfee saying that he would work on uh, all types of different onside kicks from, you know, all throughout the year. But I think the fourth and fifteen proposal is a great idea. I think it gives uh, gives teams a, a really a competitive chance to you know turn that into something that is successful. We see a, a, a lot of teams being able to convert long downs. Kansas City is probably the best in the league at it. Um, you know, it, and it really just gives another opportunity for teams to to really take that gamble. I would love to see the NFL just do it for one season. Just say, hey, we're just going to do it for only this one. One season, um, and then compare the success rate of the two. If it if it's not it if it's at or around the same success rate, I mean, you have your answer. Keep it there. I say yeah, keep I, it. I don't care. Keep it. If it's more successful, keep it. If it's less successful, then hey, maybe we need to think of something else. But I still think that it it gives both sides a better chance at it. Right. The onside kick is is a very difficult play to to master. It's one that takes a lot of reps and a lot of practice, but is is the the safety of the players worth that little of success? I don't think so. Well, I think that the the proposal originally that John Elway had was that this is actually safer for players. Now, here's the downside of it, Patrick K. Let's say there's three minutes left in a game. You're down by you know ten points, a two possession game, and let's say you just score. Okay, ten. It's a ten point game. You got to go for the onside kick to try to regain possession, try to make it a one possession game once again. Well, here's the deal. It's fourth and 15. You get the ball at your own 25-yard line. Let's say the, the, the pass falls incomplete. Obviously, the, the possession changes. The opposing team, the team that's defending, they get the ball at your own 25. So it puts them in a position where they could just kick an extra field goal if they wanted to or put themselves in a position to maybe be in the red zone again to maybe score another touchdown to really kind of put the game away. So I, I see the pros and cons. Now, a lot of people are arguing, you know, is it is it good for competition? I think so. Hey, here's the deal. How many times have we seen the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, for example, being a team that would go for it on 4th and twenty? third and 25 and they get it right so I think for a lot of teams it really kind of forces you to adjust, uh, adjust kind of your your thought process your game plan and it's also for defensive coordinators you know what we're going to see a lot of we're going to see cover four we're going to see a lot of playing at the sticks but with how how evolved the offensive game is every blade of grass is going to be tested and so you really have to be careful because I think you do have probably more of a chance of getting a fourth and 15 than you do an onside kick so for me personally I would love to see this passed. I think they need to try it out. Like you said this year, give it a test run. It's not that often. I mean, think about all the games. There were 17 games. Well, now there's going to be 18 total games. I mean, 17 regular season games, but 18 weeks going into 2021. If there were 63 total attempts in 17 weeks last year, we may not see that much, right? Because the likelihood, a lot of times, the scores, they come down to the final minute. You don't really see yourself in a situation for an onside kick attempt. So I, I don't know how often, how prevalent this would be, 
but it's interesting to know, and I hope it does pass. So Broncos country, let myself and Patrick know if you would like this rule passed as well on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL at Patrick Keody. But that will do it for today's episode. Lockdown Broncos, folks. Hope you all have a very fun and amazing weekend. The sun is out. Stay safe. Enjoy this weather with your loved ones. And we'll be back on Monday for a brand new episode of the show. In the meantime, you can get this show on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Odyssey. I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos. We'll see you on Monday.